This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell. The show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell. I'm Josh Whittacombe. With me, Rob Beckett. Hello. Hello. Life been good? Uh, Yeah, it was fine until I decided to take a two-year-old and a four-year-old out for a scooter ride. The two-year-old is an animal and it's like Tony Hawk. She flies down the road. (laughs) I took my daughter out and we bought her a scooter and I took her out and she just kept bearing to the left. She just couldn't Uh, do She just keep going left. (laughs) It's very difficult to say. She was like, it's not working. And you're like, no, you keep going left, mate. But she obviously doesn't understand the concept of left. No. So in the end, she just lost it with the scooter. And I thought, well, that's going to be six months till we try that again. I've I've found in my experience, the second child picks stuff up a lot quicker because they can see their sibling do it. Right. So there's someone doing it they can copy where you know, my oldest took ages to learn to do scooter. And you're sort of like, they're going, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And you're like, yeah, I am pulling you over to the right again. But yeah, she kept on doing that as well. It was carnage. The two-year-old just fundamentally doesn't listen to anything I say ever. And it's re- like, that doesn't care about threats of time out step or anything. You'll go like, do you want to go on the timeout step? You go, yep, and just walk there. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know, I would love to go on the timeout step, Rob. Oh. I mean, I've not heard, until that, I'd never heard that phrase before, but if it's how it sounds, sitting on a step, having some time out, absolutely <laughs> yeah. count me in, mate. Oh, I'd love to go in a buggy for a bit. This is the thing. So we got the old, um, the bassinet when you get a baby, and then she wouldn't go in it for a bit, right? And you're like... Are you, are you thick? This is the best way you are ever going to travel. Yeah. If someone said to me, I'm going to the shops, do you want to come? I'm going to push you in a bed on wheels. Fucking oh. sign me up, mate. I mean, it's like first class travel for the first two years of your life. Do you know what? how I would never want to travel, Rob? Strapped to the front of someone. That is the worst <laughs> way to travel. Yeah. Anything, anything coming the parents' way, the kids getting it first. Yeah. Right in the face. If, if I ordered an Uber and he turned up with a strap on his front, I wouldn't get on. <laughs> um, so we've had lots of good correspondence. Shall we get straight into it? Yes. It's the lockdown parody mailbag. But it's actually emails and there's no bag. 
Alex Brownsword. Hi, guys. Really enjoying the podcast. It's provided me with great joy. I'm not the only parent out there swinging wildly between moments of perfect life harmony and existential crisis within the same hour. Bit of a humble brag about his perfect life harmony, but we'll carry on. (laughs) We have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Very difficult age difference. Mm. The one-year-old is at the learning to walk stroke falling over stage requiring constant monitoring. And the three-year-old wants lots of interaction stroke play. And after five weeks at home, is at a base level of fairly bored. I have found entertaining my three-year-old without resorting to TV all the time very hard. It has come to this. I am going and sitting in the car as that is now an established activity with him. Yes! He sits in the driver's seat, turns everything on, climbs into the boot, etc. I can get an hour out of this on a good day. Ah, <laughs> yes! Oh, those hours matter. Don't they? Oh, do you see that that breaking it down into time? Yes. Like, I don't know if you've read the book or seen the film of About a Boy, right? And Hugh Grant character's very, very rich. And so he's got nothing to do with his day. And he talks about how he breaks his day down into half-hour segments of things he can do. Yes. And I, al- I always think that is exactly how parenting is. So if I'm going to the park, that's an hour done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinner, half an hour. I find stuff never lasts as long as you think it will, though. But an hour in a car is unbelievable. I mean, that I did it with him yesterday in the car, um, and that, that was good. It does kill a bit of time. I'll tell you what's another good one. Chalk, and then at the front on the pavement of your house. Just, oh, really? And then, like, it's hard if you've got a busy road, but just find a bit of pavement somewhere. Even if you take yeah. it for a walk to find an open bit of pavement and just let them draw all over, because they feel like they're being naughty. The, the bit of chalk washes off. Are you leaving it there? Well, the stuff outside my house. I was going to say, yeah, the stuff outside my house I am, but the stuff further away, I'm washing off. I'm not. I'm leaving that as well. I'm leaving it. <laughs> okay, you broke me down. I'm leaving it, Josh. All right? I, you, you didn't really stand up much under questioning. I'm not going to no. lie. I tell you what really made me excited the other day we go for this walk through sort of like country wood bit and um the council had been there and trimmed it back a bit and i was just like oh look at this like because everything's so the same every day and i'm at, i don't know what's i'm, I'm not gonna cope when proper sport comes back if if tyson fury fights anthony joshua i i thinking about it now i'm bubbling right i the earlier i was buzzing because loose swimming was back on i don't even watch it <laughs> And I'm going, no, no, it's back on. And they're in the studio. It's not on Zoom. They're in the studio. They're back in the studio. They're back in the studio. They're back in the studio. Look outside you are, Josh. They're back in the studio. Blimey. Are they key workers? The loose women? That's key key workers. workers. Yeah. Loose women make the world go round, mate. Um, So uh, have the council done a good job on the cutting it back? Really good, actually. Surprisingly. So I do think sometimes, you know, a council does a good job when they're not mentioned. It's like a referee. Like um, Alex Brownsword adds the lowest point in terms of activity was when my three-year-old and I spent half an hour rolling tin cans down the driveway. Oh yeah, that... I think that sounds quite fun. Well, if you're a Victorian, <laughs> I always I always find that quite galling when you buy a toy and it's not interesting. And then so the one we've got into now is every morning she will take all of the fridge magnets off the fridge and put them in a bag. And then every evening I have to put them back on and then she'll take them off. And you're like, this isn't fun. How are you finding this fun? Well, just, just don't put them back on. Well, no, because she asks me to. Oh, okay. I'll get you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not falling into that trap. <laughs> so she'll, she'll ask me to. And then in the morning she has to take all of them off. But you're like, how are you finding this fun? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> water in the garden's a good one. That keeps them busy. Yeah, I do water in the garden. The little sort of gun attachment you could put on the hose if you've got a garden, that's a good one. 
But she's uh, got she's got into the watering can now, and she's she's drowned a couple of the flowers because she's gone too heavy on them. That's why you want the spray because it's only you can only ever get. Uh, what's our fucking life come to? What are we talking I about, John? This what is, am I doing? I used to have an edge. You never had an edge, did you? Have no, an edge? I never had an edge. No, you used I to drink a bit. Edge. That was you. He's a bit. Josh is a bit of a life one. Likes to drink, but now we're talking about watering a plant. I had three beers last Friday, and then the next day I said. I can't do this anymore. Three beers, not even pints. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I had three cans of beer and oh. seven and a half hours sleep. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Oh, Josh. What is wrong with me? Imagine just going to a pub beer garden and drinking five pints and watching the Euros. I can't, I genuinely, oh. the thought of something like that. Do you know what I miss most from parenting is an impromptu night out. Yes. Like every night out has to be so heavily planned. I've never once in the last 18 months, two years, thought, well, we'll just have one beer and then it's... Nothing has snowballed in my life since I've had a child. (laughs) No, everything's so structured. Everything's so absolutely structured. The only things that snowball are like their absolute fits when they're out and just... Oh, anyway, I'm enjoying lockdown. (laughs) Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency designed Future Formula, a personalized anti-aging formula prescribed by a dermatology provider to treat fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and more. Agency has clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than over-the-counter retinol. Future Formula by Agency. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. Thank you for your correspondence. Uh, anything that you've bought that has been a disaster, we're always looking for it. Or any tales of lockdown parenting hell, this is how to get in touch. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or we're on Twitter at lockdownparents. As, have you started potty training yet, Josh? You were half talking about it. No, I haven't. Well, we we still are doing the thing where she now she's she's getting used to the uh, sitting on it. So before the bath, our one, our two year old, she now wheezes in the potty all the time. That's fine. Yeah. Has a nappy yeah. on at night. However, poo poos as if it's still a nappy. Oh, straight God. into the knickers. Oh my! So God. I'm basically she wheezes okay, but now I'm just handling nuggets every two to three hours into a toilet. <laughs> Don't you find I, I I can't believe how desensitized I am to shit. Oh, I just don't care. I I juggle it happily. <laughs> wouldn't juggle it a bit. Wouldn't, wouldn't even just wash it. Just oh, what's that? Human shit. You had just wash it off. Get on with your day. That was my greatest fear before being a parent. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I just don't think I'm gonna. I just don't think I'm gonna be able to deal with this shit. <laughs> and now it's so low on my priority list of things I worry about. If anything, I see changing the shitty nappy 
as a good way of like killing time. You're like, oh, that would deal with five minutes. Great. <laughs> oh, we did keep yuppies in it and volleying it into top bins in the garden. <laughs> I'd happily use it as a paperweight. I wouldn't think twice about it. <laughs> Put it next to a candle, you wouldn't even notice. Would exactly. You? <laughs> exactly. It's not. It's it's simply not a problem. Yeah, but, but years ago, the thought of a, a human poo near me would I'd be sick on instantly. It's it's amazing what people and I include myself in this. The things you think are going to be the big issues of parenting. Yeah. Did you read any books before you had a child? Come on, mate. <laughs> what do you think? And I don't even mean about parenting. I just mean generally, Rob. Um, Lou does the reading, I'll do morale. That's how it works in our house. <laughs> but I read this book, right? And it was like someone had recommended it to me. And they were like, if you read this and you do all these things, then you're within 12 weeks, your child will be sleeping 12 hours a night. And I was like, oh, great, I'll just read that book. And then it comes, you've got the child, and you're like, I th- I, in my head, it was like someone had given me, like, the manual. And then it's like, oh, no, wait a minute, this is a human being. Yeah. And I'm there, and I'm rubbing the bit between their eyes as if that's just going to send them to sleep, like I'm Crocodile Dundee taming that cow thing. <laughs> and it's just like, I was just, I've never felt so kind of impotent in my life. The things you think you can achieve before you have a child. Well, that's why. Lou read all the books. I read none. So I thought they were a happy medium there. They are. Those books that tell you how to put a child to sleep are a total waste of time. <laughs> They're all different. I tell you what, the only book I did read was about the labour, right? So I've got to be hands yeah. on here because Lou's doing it. Um, but I read it up until the point where the baby came out. And I tell you what, the placenta was a shock. I did not know <laughs> what it really was or that it was going to happen. I thought we had twins right 10 minutes. <laughs> Are you going to clean that one up or what? What's happening here? Oh, my God. I'm going to say it, right? Not the best day of my life. Oh, uh, mate, I'm with you. Not the best day of my life. One of the worst, I'd say. Yeah, anyone that says that is the best day of their life is a absolute psychopath. <laughs> Lou's water's broke in the corridor, right, of the hospital. I panicked, took my jogging bottoms off and gave them to her. <laughs> I was stood there in my pants. What was the best day of your life? Oh, it was probably seeing the person I love the most in real, real pain. That's just not the best day of your life. <laughs> no, it's That's not. That's a harrowing situation to go through. It's a, it's a necessary evil to have a kid. You know? But let's not put pressure on people to pretend that if you don't find it magical that you're some kind of dead inside idiot. I barely found it tolerable. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, I throw it out. One of the worst days of my life. Yeah, top five. Top five top worst five. days of my life. And I shit myself on the tube once, and that's not even in the top five. <laughs> right, should we get on our guest? Yes. This week, I'm so excited this week, Josh. He's an absolute legend of TV and one of, you know, a household name, uh, Jonathan Ross. I love him. He's at home with his wife. Um, and he's got three children. I think they were 22, 23, and 29. And they all live in their own flat. So he's got a lot of time to himself. So this was a great episode for a bit of uh, nostalgia and advice, wouldn't you say, Josh? It really does make me feel like at least there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, it may be 40 years' time, but <laughs> there will be that light. Hello, Jonathan Ross. How are you? I'm good, Josh. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm surprised to hear that because you're the sort of person I would characterise as being someone who would catastrophize things. And seeing yeah. as we are in the middle, would genuinely be considered a catastrophe. I would have thought you'd be having a massive meltdown. <laughs> I've 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 reached a point of calm actually because all the all the things I've been worried about for 37 years of my life have finally come true. 
So I'm finally yeah. in my element. It's like the OCD dream, isn't it? These people just loving it. <laughs> Come on, there must have been some things you worried about that haven't happened in this pandemic. But you think you've had it anyway, don't you, Josh? You think I you've had it? I have had it. Uh, you, you're pathetic. The number of people who've told <laughs> me they've had it and they clearly haven't. You, t- you ridiculous, self-regarding, narcissistic, hypochondriac hobbit. <laughs> and I mean what? that in the nicest possible way. <laughs> You haven't spoken to anyone for a couple of days, Jonathan. You're sort of really unleashing on him. I feel liberated. Society's yeah. <laughs> um, broken down. I can be my true self. Yeah. Are you, how, are you, how are you feeling about the, the pandemic? You all right? You're, what's, what's, what's your well, setup okay. at the moment? Well, there, there's two responses. On the personal level, I'm fine. I do have moments of sadness and melancholy, mainly not not remotely worried about myself, but worried about my kids. And also, the, you know, people, friends of mine, their kids, not just their health currently, but just the, what the future is going to be like for them. Yeah. You know, because you think, okay, there's going to be huge financial implication going forward. There's going to be educational implications with all the kids who are doing the exams at the moment who aren't able to sit the exam, and that's going to be a weird blip. And, like, you know, whether or not we are now wised up to the fact that we're going to – there will be – I hate to break this to you, Josh, but there will be more pandemics like this. Yeah. You know, unless I, we totally change the way we interact with other countries and, and the way we socially interact with each other. So you think the future, actually, we grew up, we were lucky. I, I was especially because I'm considerably older than you. You grew up in a sort of happy haze where you didn't think anything major would ever happen and everything would roll over and everything would either be the same or get slightly better. And now I think there's a degree of uncertainty and anxiety, which I suspect will never go away. So on that level... And on the level of knowing that there are people out there really suffering and people doing really hard jobs under the worst possible conditions and people dying, then I'm as miserable as everyone else. Yep. On a personal level, I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> I'm not working and I don't have to work. You can't, we, we can't really work. I know you're about to do your TV show from home, Josh, but you know, yeah. it's like we're not really working and you don't feel bad about we're not working because you can't and no one else is working. And yes. so you go out for a walk. My dogs have never had so many walks. My cats are loving it, and I'm lucky I've got, you know, obviously we're all lucky. that I mean, I assume you both have got a garden. I've got a big garden. So you already, you're, you're so lucky just to be in that situation. So really, I'm, just, I'm counting all my blessings and enjoying it. And are your kids at home with you, or are they in their own places? Well, I'm relieved to say they're in their own places and safe in their own places. I, once again, feel really lucky, because even though I loved having them as little children, and there are moments in recent years where my wife and I go, oh, it'd be lovely to have the little children in the house again. And wasn't that great? Wasn't that wonderful? Right now, I could not be more relieved. <laughs> I mean, thought of having the fine things to do for the kids all day and stop them from worrying and keep them busy and then getting tired for bedtime and worrying about that. And I saw the footage I saw on your Instagram feed, Rob. I saw you were being beaten up by an infant at 5 yes. in the morning. Oh. I thought, oh, I do not miss that. Oh yeah, they're just they're just so on top of you. There's no, it's relentless. There's no. And you try and do a good thing like take them for a walk in the woods with like puddle jumpsuits on and get all muddy, and then they just scream, and you end up just carrying these two lifeless sort of bodies of just like they've just given up, thrown yeah. over your shoulders all around. And then one of my my youngest at the moment is just screaming, "Go away from me, daddy! I don't like you." That's her new thing. She's <laughs> picked up on what society thinks, obviously. <laughs> yeah, she's been reading the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does your day involve, Jonathan? Like, you've got total freedom, right? Have you got a routine or do you just do whatever? I 
as I said, my life is kind of as it was before. You know, like, we don't have to get up crack of dawn early. What time are you getting up? I normally, I do wake up quite early. Jane wakes up quite early because she, she's very sensitive to noise and light and all that sort of nonsense. So she'll normally wake up about 7.38 and I'll normally, I'll sleep next to her for as long as I can get away with it, which is normally <laughs> until about 9.30 when she'll find a way to wake me and go, oh, I'm sorry, uh, can I open the blinds? <laughs> <laughs> And we sleep, we sleep with our dog. We've got an old dog who sleeps with us who, who smells terrible, but it's quite good because it does obviously cover your own if, you are, if you're letting off things. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Um, but I like doing all the washing. I've bought myself a lovely floor steam cleaner. Yeah. I, do all the, I do the litter trays for the cats twice a week, and then I do a big hoover, do the steam clean all over, go out in the garden, <laughs> give it a bit of a tidy, come back in, massive shit, lovely hot shower. <laughs> Have a nap, go downstairs, watch a Japanese movie. I'm working my way through a 25-film um, box set of Zatoichi, The Blind Swordsman. Maybe, I mean, occasionally, if I know my wife is tucked away upstairs, occasionally masturbate. Then maybe <laughs> have a snack to get my energy levels back up. Potter uh, around a bit, do a bit of drawing. Maybe go for a walk, take the dogs back down the end of the garden. I planted some flowers for the bees the other day. Feed the fish. Check in on my wife's dad. He's self-isolating down the end. We've got a lot of separate area he lives. I trimmed his hair yesterday with some clippers I bought from Amazon. It was very quite an odd, intimate moment, to be honest with you. <laughs> having, having an elderly man uh, sort of sitting in between your knees on the steps while you shave his head. And seeing as he's Jewish, I tried to get away with leaving those two curly bits on the side. The <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't having any of it. <laughs> oh, you're living the dream. But this is what my life was like, you know, before really, apart from the odd uh, intrusion of having to go to a studio. And are you are you in touch with your kids a lot? And are you doing all that Zoom and all that kind of stuff? Family Zoom, family Zoom quizzes? Sadly, yes. I mean, <laughs> well, we haven't found that the quiz thing really works. We did do one that my daughter set up with some young friends of hers. And we were tragically uh, out of step anyway, because it was all stuff about on on Ariana Grande's second album. And we're half a really? <laughs> Which one of the Kardashians? And we went, we don't know. How do we know this? We got a very, very... But when you interview them, Jonathan, you sound so interested in their albums. Josh. Yes. I'm going to treat that with the contempt it deserves. <laughs> As a fellow professional, I expect professionals. I have seen you sitting on the couch, simpering up to some of the worst people in the world. And I had the good manners not to mention it to you. I apologise. So I would expect you to reciprocate the courtesy. Thank okay. you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I imagine you guys are, are missing terrifically doing live work as well, because I know that I, mean, I know you're in the middle of your tour, Rob. So that must have been a really kind of like you know uh, unpleasant thing to have to pull the plug on, because you a you know you are out there, you've got the material ready, and that material you can never do that the same again. Oh, he'll try. <laughs> So that material that you wrote in the, I don't know when it was, it's from the, your material's sort of like early 90s, isn't it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like reading Loaded magazine from 92. <laughs> I'm like the audience's older brother that's letting read FHM, that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Are your kids doing all right in this situation then, Jonathan? Yes, I mean, I think for my youngest one in particular, my oldest one, she's kind of, she was not sure what she wanted to do, but she was sort of drifting along quite happy. And I think she's, in a way, I think this is nice because it's given her the chance not to have to answer questions about, well, look, are you going to finish your... She's, she, got a, she got a BSc in biology, then she got the PhD, and then she was studying for the master's, or is it the other way around? And it's like, she put it on hold for a year, so she'd have a year off and she was working. And I think 
it's that thing where, you know, I don't know whether she was quite certain what path, whether she wanted to stay in academia or do something else. So I think in a way for her, it's been a breathing space. Um, and my son, he's working, so it hasn't really affected him. My youngest daughter, I think she's finding it very hard because also she's single. So to be single and young when you'd be out there mingling and meeting people and, and you know, having fun and feeling like your life is all happening, for that to be put on hold, that is um, is pretty tough, I think. Yeah. So I think she's the one who's probably finding it hardest in many ways. The other two are with their partners, you see. And she's she's holed up with her flatmates, so at least they got company. Um, but it's still it's still kind of, I think, difficult knowing that the world is out there and you're, you're keen to be part of it. See, I, I don't want to be out, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't miss going yeah. out anywhere. I don't want to go to restaurants. I don't want to go to clubs. I don't, I don't, I mean, I like quite like going to the cinema, but I'm just as happy watching at home, you know? So I'm not missing anything. Whereas you can see they are missing that, the, yeah. the sort of like the tapestry of life that they want to throw themselves into, which just isn't there for them anymore. My wife's mum, I'm like, oh God, it's stressful having small kids. And she says, whatever age they are, you're stressed about them just in a different way. Do you think that's a fair assumption on the parenting thing? Does it ever get easier or does it just get difficult in different ways? You know what? When people say that, it's really bullshit, to be honest with you. <laughs> yes. you, should, you should tell her that for me. I will. Of course, you never stop worrying about them, but it's nothing like the worry when they're little because when they're little, you're worried about everything. Yeah. You're worried about, okay, have they eaten enough? What's that rash? Did they bump their head? Where are they? Have <laughs> they put their finger in the plug? Why isn't he speaking properly? Yeah. Why, why is she playing with that weird toy all the time? Has she got a problem? You, <laughs> you know, talking about me and my wife? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we had that with all our kids. You know, I mean, one of my children, I'm pretty sure, it has a level of autism. And we, we did, she was very late to talk and she was fixed on certain things and she was very strange around people. And we took her to be assessed and... But not for that, because this was early 90s when that wasn't really uh, talked about as much. And now we found the medical report, and clearly we showed it to someone. They said, yes, now she would be absolutely diagnosed as autistic. Yeah. But back then she wasn't. So we were dealing with all those worries, and you have those worries when they're little. Now, I don't give a shit what she's up to. <laughs> I mean, she's not my problem anymore. <laughs> yeah. if, she needs, if she needs help, I'm here. Of course I'm here. Unconditionally, 100%. But the rest of the time, don't even tell me. <laughs> And my wife sometimes goes, I'm really worried about it. I go, stop, I don't want to hear, they're fine. <laughs> Ignorance is they're adults. They can deal with it themselves. If they can't, they've got phones, all right? But don't give me that. I don't want to be carrying around the emotional worry about what might happen. I'll worry about it when it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, um, we normally ask our guests that have got kids at home during this, what they'd do if they had the house to themselves all day but obviously you're you're getting that so what would you yes. do if you had 24 hours and your children had been transported back to a three-year-old a four-year-old and a nine ten-year-old as they would have been and you've got them for the day what what how would you approach it oh well, you see but see rob i'll tell you what, what's wrong with that question because if i had them for a day i would be thrilled it would be a delight yes. you know a fantasy we have that you could go back and have them small again for maybe a week you know what i mean yeah, yeah. And you go i'll clear everything else because Life, you appreciate it differently. I would look back and say, okay, savor every second of this. And you can, I could say that to you guys now. Have you got kids, by the way, Josh? Yeah, yeah, I've got one kid. One kid, yeah. How old? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, so what a lovely age. And you look back. But even though it's a gorgeous age, at the same time, it's tiring. And it's sometimes tiresome having kids. You know, it's like, oh, I've got to do this and you've got to do this. And oh, my God, I've got to do this now. And there are moments within that day where you have moments, I'm sure, of sheer joy yeah. that they're there. And they're, the, the joy their life brings you. But other times, it's a pain in the backside. And, and it's because it's kind of never-ending. Yeah. When when you have them like you've got them, it's never ending. You know, you're, you're going to have them like that, and it's going to be even in three years' time. They're going to be. It's going to be 
you're going to have to worry every second about who's got uh, who's got them, where are they, what are we doing, where's who's making the food, you know, are the beds clean, all that. Whereas if you had them for a short period only, you could go, okay, come on, I've made a lovely craft castle for yeah. you, children. After this, we're going to watch one of your favourite films, and then let's make marshmallow ghosts, and I'm going to go and find some butterflies in the garden, and I'll go to bed happy. Yes, of course. And I think, oh, I can do that again tomorrow, because it won't be that I feel I'm missing out in any way, whereas, you know... Uh, Whereas now, if I had them full time, I think at that age, I think I would find it frankly exhausting because I'm going to be 60 in November. So it's not like you want to dump yeah. that on someone. I've no idea what Ronnie Wood's thinking, but you know, <laughs> they keep and crank them out old. You think, oh, good luck to you. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if I had to have them full time now, I think I would find it. I would find it at times lovely, but I think it must be very difficult to be living through this yeah. with children, respect, and I, and I do feel for you. Do you kind of look back on that time and wish you'd appreciated it more, or is that just a kind of... I mean, it's easy to say that, isn't it? Well, I do and I don't, because here's the thing. I did appreciate it. Even at the time, I kept saying to myself, you know, you're going to miss this. Yeah. And so I tried to appreciate it as much as possible. Ultimately, I mean, back then, my wife wasn't working. Yeah. So I was earning all the money we needed for the house so I did feel the pressure for that and and my career as all careers really in our line of work go kind of was somewhat roller coaster you know up and down up and down and so you had periods where you did worry and you felt like you should work hard and you would take on jobs that you didn't necessarily want to do or didn't find satisfying in any way apart from the paycheck and that's always a bit grim you know and bearing in mind my life compared to most people you know really I was there to collect them from school almost every day you know, and I got to see him a lot, a lot, a lot. So it, 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 I don't really regret any of it, but I think even at the time, you know, you know it's fleeting, yeah. but you can't enjoy it any more than you're enjoying it. You know what I mean? It's like you're enjoying it as much as you can probably. Because even if you, you might look back and say, I wish I'd enjoyed it more, you, you're incapable of enjoying it more. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. you, can't, you can't change how you react to things, even when you're aware of stuff, you know. So uh, I, I don't look back on it with any regret. I just, I do miss it. I miss aspects of them being lovely and... And I miss having small people in the house. I mean, my, my wife's father isn't very tall, so he's kind of, he might fill the gap for me. You know, um, if I, when I'm not wearing my glasses, I can pretend he's a child. <laughs> Get him in a high chair, give him some beans on toast. And you, you haven't seen the kids then? I've seen them, I've seen them from like a safe distance. Yeah. I mean, two of them. Kind of drive by. We see them on the screen a lot, of course, you know, when we do half party, but I've dropped stuff by for them. Um, the various, you know, my, my daughter, I've got stuff to her house. She ran out of something and one of them using an inhaler and they'd run out the inhaler and I had a spare one they used to leave at the house. So I took that down and left it outside. And But we haven't been in their houses and we haven't touched them or, you know what I mean? You see them out of them. And that's nice. I, I find that more than enough, frankly. My wife said, oh, I really miss hugging them. I went, oh, really? Okay. I, mean, I don't miss hugging people, to be honest with you. It's not a big deal. Not a, wasn't a big part of my life in that respect. I've never been a big fan of the hug on a meeting as well, especially I noticed when I used because before I'd started doing like comedy or TV stuff, everyone's quite huggy. But when before I worked at like the flower market, no one would hug you when you arrived at work. But And now I hate the hug. I agree with you. I prefer a much more transactional relationship. Hello, you're here to do a job for me. Please do the job, then leave. Yes. You know, I don't want to be, how you doing all right? You know, it's like, and you go to the office, it's like, oh, hello, we're, we're, you're working with people. You've got to pretend they're all your friends. Well, some of them are nice enough, but they're not automatically my mate because you're working on my show. <laughs> um, Rob, you always have a uh, final question. Oh, yeah. It's, um, has there been a highlight or a low light of lockdown for you where a point you thought, oh, this is amazing, and then a moment you thought, oh, God, this is actually quite bleak and boring? 
Well, I mean, when we had that period of sunshine, and that was amazing, going out in the garden, and one night it was warm and sunny, and I thought, okay, no, one, no one's been in my house all day, which I love, and I realised I really like that. I worked with the woman I worked with, the producer of my show, she's called B Ballard, and her dad was the great science fiction writer, J.G. Ballard. And she told me he hated having workmen in his house. And she grew up. And every time something broke, he would find a cheap way of fixing it himself. So once all their central heating went, eventually, they had fan heaters in every room. So all of her childhood, all she remembers is the, all she remembers is the noise of fan heaters. <laughs> he would not have tradespeople in there to fix it. He hated having people in the house. And I'm beginning to understand that vibe. It's like, I don't want anyone else in my house. It's my house. I'll do everything in it. I'll clean it. I'll wash it. I'll do the sheets. Don't worry about that. I'll get rid of the rubbish. So I've been enjoying doing that. And and after a day of what felt like fairly honest labour, it was a, such a sunny evening, and we've got a little fire pit outside. So I put some logs in that and started the fire. My wife made some tea, and we sat out in the garden together, just having dinner with. And I thought this is lovely because mm. even though the world's going crazy around us and all that, I just thought this is lovely. This is idyllic. It's like, it really is like being on an extended lovely holiday in which everyone's told to leave you alone. And being something of an introvert in real life, you know, I like I like talking to people and I like that, but I don't really like hanging out with people. I, I find it it's fine for me if it's got a limit. You know, that's why I quite like doing other people's shows. I, I, occasionally, I like playing tennis with people because I know it's going to start and I know it's going to finish. Yes. And then they're going to leave. <laughs> I don't like this hanging around. That's why I don't I don't like going out for dinner with people. You sit around and think, can I go now? Yeah. Or do I have to pretend I'm still having a good time? <laughs> yeah. So in some ways, I think, if you can get the frame of mind right, where you think, okay, the, the, the world is pretty much as it was. It's just that we've got to be more cautious around each other. Then hopefully you can kind of enjoy life as much as you ever did. And I would like to think people are finding moments of enjoyment with it. And there've been moments of great cheer, you know, and real kind of like celebration, like seeing that old gentleman who's managed to walk, you know, in his garden and ways. I think now it's 30 million. Well, that, well, that's an amazing testament to like, you know, just fortitude and goodness and, and, and the kindness of people and looking at an old man doing that and the fact that we're all looking at older people and feeling protective of them and seeing him as a wonderful thing. I think that's one of the, there'll be a lot of good things that come out of this. And so I try and focus on that. You know, there'll be a lot of good things. We're finally, perhaps the government, even the white wing government that we've got in, at the moment will respect and look after our health workers. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll all be a little bit less grumpy when an Amazon delivery guy turns up in the morning. Rather than going, oh, for fuck's sake, mate, you haven't got all my passports. It's like, <laughs> Thank you for getting in your van yeah, so early. Yeah. Well, I think hopefully we're going to feel all a bit more connected yeah. and a greater degree of kind of like kinship and connectedness yeah. with those around us. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. Lovely speaking to you. Look after your kids. Jonathan Ross. Ah, oh, amazing. I love. I love Jonathan him so Ross. much. I absolutely. Yeah. He was a hero of mine growing up, and the fact that. I think this is a bit schmaltzy, but the fact that like, I've been on his show and we get to have the opportunity to talk to him, it's such a, for me, it's such a buzz. I don't know about you, John. Yeah, no, I love it. When I was downstairs and I was like, sorry, I've just got to go upstairs to my office to interview Jonathan Ross. And you're like, how the fuck has this happened? Yeah, you know I know. <laughs> it's bad, this, isn't it? Oh, a worldwide lockdown and no one's got any work on. That's why. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> it would have never happened happen in normal no, circumstances. Never. Do you know what's quite... For me, and it's quite liberating. Was hearing him talk about the pressure of having young kids and Do you providing. Know what was most liberating, being told that when they grow up, it's not as much stress as. So, so I've only got sixteen years left. So yeah. the stress is gone. Honestly, I, I'm not even sixteen. I say you've got fourteen years left. When they get to sixteen, they get a part-time job, and as far as I'm concerned, they're halfway out the house. Get on with your life. <laughs> strap a pair on and believe in yourself. I'm here if you need me, but otherwise, see you later. And I think good parent is getting to the point where you can fuck them off and you don't feel guilty about it because they're strong enough to survive. That's the main thing. 
<laughs> that's the main thing. Keep your eyes on that. 2032. Um, that's your deadline, Rob. And it was quite inspiring at the end, I thought, Jonathan, the way yeah. I was talking about, you know, people's approach to the world after having stuff taken away from them in lockdown. I found that quite motivating. I, I think it's interesting to think whether people will live differently. I mean, I say that within 24 hours, I'll be in the pub. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> I, yeah, but that's fine as well. But I think sometimes you could, it used to be like sad to stay in or, oh, you're not going to see your mates yeah. or stuff like that, whether you want to or not. And especially for like introverts. Well, I think I'm at semi like Jonathan in a way where big, loud, confident people, but I actually quite like being on my own a lot of the time and being left alone. And I think hopefully this this lockdown will make people appreciate that when stuff's taken away from you, you don't actually need it if you can become comfortable with yourself. It's like just a distraction away from your worries and your anxieties and stresses, like holidays and weddings and birthdays and, you know, McDonald's drive throat and all those little things. The big three. Weddings, big holidays three. and McDonald's drive throat <laughs> They are in my world. I've got rid of bingo. I've moved up a, <laughs> a level. And that was, that was quite sweet as well. Like when he, well, he said, if you had them for the day and how much he'd love that. And I really feel, I felt like his voice light up when he yeah. when he was thinking about having his kids for the day. And he just sort of went on this thing of, we'll do, and he took listed all the things he did with his kids, like marshmallow ghosts and let's find butterflies and all those sort of things. Yeah. And it just sort of, it does. I know it's a bit like... So it's far enough. away from what I've been doing with my daughter for the last week, as you could possibly imagine. He didn't have Paw Patrol on demand in his house, did he? Back in the 90s. <laughs> he had Bike no. and Grove if he was lucky. Um, thank you to Jonathan for doing the show. Thank you to everyone uh, for listening. Um, yes. If you want to get in touch about anything, this is how. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or we're on Twitter at Lockdown Parents. So if you enjoyed that, people, please can you um, subscribe to the podcast? Can you review us? Give us five stars. It all helps in the rankings to get us. We want to be number one, don't we, Josh? We want to be number one. No one we're does pathetic. this to be number two. No. I love that. We go, hopefully people will be more relaxed and realise things don't really matter and they could just be happy with themselves. We want to be number one in the podcast, chart. <laughs> and if we're not, we're failures and my kids will starve. <laughs> get it downloaded. In the list of things... <laughs> In the world that don't matter, I'd say the iTunes podcast charts have to be pretty near the top. Ah, it's got to be nonsense. Though. I swear every new one goes to number one and then drops off to yeah. obscurity within about a week. But hopefully we'll hang on in there. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Hello and welcome to John Richardson and the Future Knots. I am John Richardson, professional whinge bag and defeatist, and I am joined by the Future Knots, who are Mark Stevenson, hello. Hello. And Ed Gillespie, hello. Hello. Mark and Ed are the two experts who are invited before I make a series like Ultimate Warrior to make me look more informed and intelligent, and this podcast will attempt to lay bare that entire process by proving that, in fact, I know nothing and they know everything. Each episode we'll discuss some of the problems facing our society and through an attempt to find some optimism we'll offer up some solutions as well. As my co-pilots on this journey, Mark and Ed, are um, insightful, interesting and witty people and they can tell you exactly what the future will be in five years, right guys? <laughs> I'm not sure that's strictly true but you know. No, I'll take it. <laughs> yes, take the compliment where it's offered. They both know more than me and, frankly, are of more use to society than me. However, 
people seem to uh, follow me on Twitter and not them. So this podcast <laughs> is an attempt to reverse that process. If I have one goal for this podcast series, it's that by the end, I have three followers left and they are my wife, my neighbours and my mum. And everyone else has realised, why wouldn't I just listen to these two in the first place? 